Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh, The Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check our back catalog, social media links, all that good stuff at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Here we are. Yeah. Episode 62. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We um, wrapped up Heaven's Gate last week. We did. And uh, we did. We're, we're keeping the UFO. In keeping with the UFO theme. Theme. Yep. 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 Barney and Betty Hill. Yeah. The, ones the OGs. The ones that started it. Pretty much. It's one of the Publicly. most well-known. Yeah. Yeah. So we got that going for us. Yeah. Hopefully today. We need a lot going for us. Because <laughs> Dallas is killing. We need something. <laughs> We've been watching Dallas. We're on, we just finished season six. Six, maybe? Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> I don't know. They're all going so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Well, we'll see how that goes. You just blew the wind out of my sail saying, well, one of the seasons has 30 episodes in it. Yeah, it does. God, that's like print. After watching that, it's going to be like Princess Bride in the uh, Pit of Despair. I just took a year and a half of your life away. (laughs) How does that make you feel? (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you got for sources? Uh, History.com, uh, first alien abduction account, Barney and Betty Hill, and how Betty and Barney Hill's alien abduction story defined the genre mm. with a uh, article uh, written by Linda Lassina, mm. updated January 15th of 2020, originally published December 13th, 2019. I did get a little bit from History.com. Mm-hmm. I also got the Appalachian Mountain Club from Outdoors.org. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was actually pretty recent. That was uh, two years ago in June. Hmm. And I got something from Live Science. And I got something from Scientific American. Look at you go. Well, I figured you'd do a uh, solid job, a bang-up job on the uh, the whole plot and everything that happen and well here's the thing i've been listening to so many podcasts that talk about this type of stuff yeah and man the lore behind this it's crazy because like there are conspiracy theorists who think that their alien abduction thing didn't even happen yeah but because they were an interracial couple like they were part of some sort of weird Government um, yeah. program, like an MK Ultra type thing. There's it weird was stuff. just, it is weird, very, very weird. Yeah, it's it's weird because, you know, like all these abduction stories. Yeah, it just gives so much room to go wherever the hell you want. Yeah, and that's it to really that's to yeah. and 
to basically dismiss it and encourage it. Yeah. Both sides. Yep. That's what I thought I'd cover in some sort of depth later on as we go through the whole story. Yeah. Because, like, the medical community's got some weird stuff on this, too. Yeah. Strange. I say medical community, the psychologist. I don't like to yeah. le- I don't like to merge psychology and medical it community. It should together. be noted that really what we know about their story was from like regression sessions. Yeah, yeah. It's uh that's one of those UFO accounts that gets weird is because of the regression sessions. Right. And, yeah. And you really have to take them lightly. You do have to take it. You can't get too serious into this stuff because Uh it's a regression testing thing, and that's some stuff I'm going to get into later. But, but who's um who's Barney and Betty Hill? Well, I mine actually starts right off with the abduction. Like, all right, I know they were an interracial couple from. I don't know whether they were leaving Rhode Island, going to New Hampshire. They were doing a three day trip. Okay. Basically. And the abduction itself happened in a rural portion of uh, New Hampshire, September 19th to the 20th, 1961. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Hills lived in Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire. And Barney uh, was employed by the United States Postal Service. And Betty was a social worker. And they were active in a uh, a local congregation. Mm-hmm. They were members of the NAACP and community leaders. Barney sat on a uh, local board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. And uh, y- as you mentioned before, they were an interracial couple at the time, which I laugh when they say at the time, like it changed. You know, yeah, but, but in 1961, um, that was a big deal. Oh, no, deal. it was a big deal. And, and it was uncommon. In the United States. I'm yes. not I'm not neglecting on that. I was just saying like at the time they were that. Like that changed. They were Yeah. You know. Yeah. And obviously it doesn't matter. But they were uh driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal. That's how it all worked out. Yes. I'm gonna say first and foremost before we dive into this, it's a shame that this UFO story blinded all their work on civil rights. Yes. And overlapped all their stuff with civil rights because there's some, they, they did do some, some really good things for the cause. And unfortunately this is what they're famous for. This is what they're known for. Yeah. 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 None of that other stuff. And unfortunately we're not going to talk about it either. We're going to stay with the UFO stuff because that's our theme. (laughs) That's what we do here. If you're listening and you run a uh, civil rights type uh, podcast, then I would highly recommend giving light to Barney and Betty Hill. Yes, definitely. It's uh, they they have a very intriguing story outside of this, but yeah, basically what happened was they were going on a uh, a trip. Yep. When it was Montreal. Yep. To Niagara Falls, and they were on their way back. Right. Yes. Heading to Portsmouth, and this happened. Yeah, their first thought was they hadn't seen, they're on this stretch of road and they hadn't seen a car for miles, but there was a strange light in the sky that seemed to follow them. So Mm -hmm. Barney was like, is it chasing us? At one point they did stop, but then they 
continued on and went home. But when they got home, like they just felt weird, you know, like dirty. They weren't relieved. And their watches had both stopped working. Barney's shoes were strangely scuffed. And Betty's dress was ripped. There were two hours of the drive that neither of them could remember. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what happened? Which led them to a psychiatrist during the regression session, a startling story started to be revealed. Uh, gray beings with large eyes had walked them into a metallic disc as wide, Betty said, as her house was long. Once inside, the beings examined the couple and erased their memories. Their experiences would kick off an Air Force inquiry, part of the secretive initiative Project Blue Book, that investigated UFO sightings across the country. The incident would also become the first ever widely publicized alien abduction account and shape how stories like it were told and understood moving forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, Debate continues as to whether the husband and wife were liars, uh, fanaticists, crackpots, or simply sleep-deprived people who later recovered seriously scrambled uh, memories. Their road trip was spontaneous, a well-earned break for the couple. So this was after 16 months of marriage. They saw this trip from, you know, Niagara Falls and Montreal. Yeah, it was another honeymoon. As a delayed honeymoon. Yeah. 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 They left so impulsively, they had no time to go to the bank before it closed for the weekend. They got in their car with less than $70 in their pockets. And it was on their last night of their three-day trip. They sipped coffee in a Vermont diner to recharge. Barney figured if they pushed through, they could beat the wind and rains from an approaching hurricane. So they left the diner about 10 p.m. and estimated they could reach their red-framed house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, between 2 and 3 a.m. at the latest. Uh, As they drove, the strange light in the sky gave, gave them another reason to hurry. At first, it looked like a falling star but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher and World War II vet, was sure they had nothing to worry about. It's just a satellite, he assured Betty. It just probably went off course. Mm -hmm. The light seemed to move with the car as uh, Barney steered down the curving mountain road. The light zigged and zagged, ducking past the moon and behind trees and mountain ridges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed to move toward them in a game of cat and mouse. It had to be an illusion, they thought. Uh, Maybe the car's movement made it seem like the light, too, was moving. And then curiosity overcame them. And this gets referenced every time. They pulled over at a road stop and picnic turnout to get a look, and... Barney had binoculars, and these binoculars get referenced in every single version of the story. Yeah. Through the binoculars, Betty saw that the white light was really an object spinning in the air. Barney, she told her husband, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. He uh, he knew she was right. Barney had an IQ of 140, noted um, a guy who wrote a book about them, uh, mm-hmm. Fuller, Barney was also a pragmatic man who wouldn't give flying saucers uh, a second thought, remembered his niece, niece, Kathleen Marden, in her work, captured the Betty and Barney Hill experience. The night was too quiet for a helicopter. 
a commercial plane, or even military jet with a hotshot pilot. He didn't want to spook Betty, but he was becoming concerned. What was this light? Why was it toying with them? About 70 miles past the diner, the object hovered just above the treetops, approximately 100 feet above them. Barney abruptly stopped the car, and he kept the engine running. He shoved a handgun he'd hidden beneath the seat into his pocket and rushed into a dark field, leaving Betty in the car. What he saw was as big as a jet, but as round and flat as a pancake. My God, what is this thing? He recalled, thinking, this can't be real. Behind rows of windows, gray uniformed beings seemed to look right at them, Barney recalled. He tried to lift his hand to his pistol, but he somehow couldn't. A voice told him not to uh, put down told him not to put down his binoculars. He had a startling thought. We're about to be captured. Yelling hysterically, he ran back to the car and barreled down the road as Betty tracked the craft, craning her head outside the car window. Without explanation, loud, rhythmic beeps sounded from the car's trunk. The couple felt instantly drowsy and lost consciousness. They came to around two hours later and 35 miles down the road. Back home in Portsmouth, They tried to make sense of the night. Barney felt compelled to examine his uh, body's lower half, and both seemed to be aware of a puzzling presence. In the weeks and months after, Betty, an avid reader, checked out books from the library discovering the Civilian UFO Group National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP. She also reported the sighting to the Air Force, Um, Air Force worried about radiation. In coming years, with Betty's suffering from disturbing dreams and Barney developing an ulcer and anxiety, the couple sought mental help. And they met with Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialized in hypnosis, a mainstream uh, technique at the time. Through months of weekly sessions, Simon helped the couple piece together what they think had happened. A vessel had landed on the hill's car, putting them to sleep. Afterward, gray beings walked them up a long ramp and and into the spacecraft. Once inside, the hills were separated, taking turns in an examination room that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the ceiling. Each was asked to climb up on a metal table. The table was so short, Barney's legs hung over the side. During the examinations, the beings removed Betty and Barney's clothes, Uh, plucked strands of their hair, took clippings of their nails, and scraped their skin. Each sample was placed on a clear material, not unlike a glass slide. Needles connected to long wires probed their heads, arms, legs, and spines. One large needle, around four to six inches long, was inserted into Betty's belly. This pregnancy test left her twisting in pain. Throughout, a being Barney and Betty called the leader watched from the side. After Betty's examination ended, the beings rushed back into her room excited. They discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. Betty laughed, explaining that Barney had dentures, a fact of human aging that beings, um, the beings struggled to understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? Be hey, awkward. look at this! <laughs> That'd be weird. Because so, you're kind of out of it. Yeah. You're like, and you're not really with it. They're poking and prodding. And they're prodding, and then they just pull your teeth out, yeah. and they're just they're sitting there. Plunk. 
You think they did the whole thing where they grabbed it and they flapped them like they were talking. They were just like, meh, 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 meh. So later, alone with the leader, Betty asked where the craft had flown, admitting she knew little of the universe. The being joked with her saying, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. Later, under hypnosis, she drew a star map shown to her on the ship. And it should be later noted that um, they were able to figure out from her star map where they supposedly were. So in 1965, the Hill story was picked up by a Boston newspaper. After that, everything changed. The Quiet Couple story became the subject of a best-selling book and a movie starring James Earl Jones. The upstanding civil servants had become celebrity abductees. They weren't the first to spot a UFO or even to report an abduction, though, but their story did capture the nation's imagination, and and it was so widely publicized that it has helped shape how we talk about alien encounters and abductions, even to today, which is, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal. Well, and that's where I kind of have... I mean, I get in like the modern age. It's hard to say like modern age now because like yeah, it kind of splits in different areas. Like the 60s weren't. Yeah. I No, it was a modern age. People are driving around in cars yeah. and they're yep. doing, you know, there's television kind of uniting people. Yeah. You know, it's Telephone, a lot, lot different. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot different than the previous thousands of years. Correct. But to say they were the first I guess, like, yeah, I agree with the whole first documented thing because it was like documented, yeah. Yeah. pushed out, kind of publicized, had something with it. But there's even these old drawings that they're finding. Oh, in, yeah. Yep. Like caves and stuff and stuff with like the pyramids where they're looking up in the sky and there's this right. object type yep. thing, and which I think is pretty revealing. Yeah. To a which certain means degree. They've always been here. Well,. I'll even play the devil's advocate of there's always been sightings. Something, yeah. Yep. Of some kind. Uh, as far as their story, what's interesting is they had this trip and they had this deal with the thing following them mm-hmm. and they recollected that. Yep. But then after that, they lost that time. Yep. And it was a couple years. And yes. Betty had all these dreams. Yep. And... Uh, Barney had the ulcer. Barney had the ulcer and, you know, just had anxiety. And it's a weird, weird bit. Like, because even they contacted someone in their their church congregation that was doing hypnosis, but was Mm -hmm. like an amateur. Yeah. And they consulted him first. And they were like, look, we, we would like to go under some sort of hypnosis and stuff. And he even said, he's like, look, you can't. Yeah. You got to be serious about this. You you need to go to. You can't have an amateur like myself. Yeah, you've got to do have this a for legit you. Professional. You know, so that's where they got into this. Uh, the Simon, is it Simon? Yeah, Simon yeah. was the hypnotist. Yeah, and even Simon's conclusions on it. He speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Mm-hmm. So. Simon thought it was the most reasonable and consistent explanation. Barney rejected the idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both their narratives that were unique to each. Right. And Barney was now ready to accept at this point that they had been abducted 
by the occupants, though he never embraced it as fully as Betty did. Yeah, she say. did. Though the Hills and Simon disagreed about the cause of their distress, uh, they all concurred and agreed that the hypnosis sessions were effective and the Hills were no longer tormented by abduction anxiety is what they were basically calling Being it. Being treated but, for, yeah. But yeah, so her, all her stress, her dreams and all mm-hmm. that stuff disappeared. His anxiety, all that stuff disappeared. Uh, when the series of hypnosis sessions were complete, Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the journal Psychiatric Opinion explaining his conclusion in that the case was a singular psychological aberration. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when they started going into, like they went, the Hills went back to the regular lives and they were willing to discuss this encounter with friends, family, UFO reachers, you right. know, researchers, but uh, they made no effort to seek publicity. I think Correct. people need to understand yeah. the steps with this. Like they talked about it with like their inner circle, so to speak. And they would reach out to like an occasional UFO researcher. Mm-hmm. And, but they didn't like want to do all this press stuff and, you know, yeah. TV spots and, and all that stuff. Uh, and that went on for a while. And then 1965 is when the front page story in the Boston Traveler really just kind of came out. And the reporter allegedly had been given like an audio tape recording of the lecture the Hills made in Quincy Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, he learned that the Hills had undergone, uh, undergone hypnosis with Simon. He obtained notes from these confidential interviews that the Hills had given. And... Uh, on October 26th, the day after United Press International picked up that reporter story. And that's when the Hills started getting all of this international attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, that's when it all kind of just, you know, that's John G. Fuller secured the cooperation with Hills and Simon and wrote the book, The uh, Interrupted Journey. And that book included the copy of Betty's sketch of the star map. Yep. And uh, the book was a quick success. I yeah. mean, they drew uh, pictures, not only like she did the star map, but she, they also are, I don't know if it was both of them or just her. I know there were pictures of the craft the that craft. they saw. Yep. And it's, see, before their story, the, the alien encounters were always just like, friendly type stories, you know, just like, oh, and shooting across the sky and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there were people that believed that, you know, the aliens actually lived on on Earth and that they would, you know, fly back to their home planet, you know, like on the weekends or when they weren't working, whatever. But once their story became known, abduction accounts all shared certain characteristics characteristics yeah. like the medical examinations mm-hmm. missing time the aliens with large heads and big eyes which have been dubbed grays in ufo circle they not only became staples in the abduction accounts but also in uh sci-fi pop culture like close encounters of the third time third kind yeah they literally like paved X-Files, they literally like, paved the way for all that yeah. stuff it, it was definitely like a switch you could say exactly when things started lining up and that's when the ufo movement really started yes. gaining steam yep. on all levels whether Correct. it was 
like you said, uh, reported sightings or reported abductions mm-hmm. or even just for entertainment purposes, they had this this common yeah. common theme. Yeah. It should be noted many psychologists say sleep paralysis and and hallucinations played a role in mm-hmm. their story. Leading questions during hypnosis is also yeah, a there's, factor. There's a lot of a, there's a lot of monkey wrenches in here that could easily be twisted here and yeah. there. And that's that's where I think it's funny because you see all of the passionate views of the people that think it happened. Right. The people who didn't think it happened. And right. then those camps split off into crazy passionate views like yeah. you were talking about yeah. where was it a government program yep. or or is it just this type of psychological profile? Well, another you know. theory is that a strong predictor of a false recall or a false memory mm-hmm. is if the subject has a vivid imagination mm-hmm. and that group, the vivid in- imagination mm-hmm. group, scores high in, quote, magical ideation, which means they're more likely to believe in ghosts and tarot readings. So that kind of opens up oh, the yeah. door. To well, if you can believe in all of that, you can also believe in the little green, little they're not green, little yeah, gray the men. little gray men with big <laughs> eyes. Yeah, um, there are quite a few people who just simply think their story is just a myth, uh, with the supernatural meetings, vulnerable protagonists, and otherworldly journeys. It's, it's possible, just the hallmarks of a legend. Um, many point to the stress of of actually being an interracial couple living mm-hmm. in a predominantly white state in a turbulent era. Yeah. The no, year I... of their hypnosis, 1964, was marked by Cold War tensions and civil rights unrest with numerous urban riots erupting that summer. You have a biracial couple at a time where obviously it was not easy to be a biracial couple. And look at what those aliens were, a mixture of black and white. And this particular scientist is Christopher Bader, who's a sociologist from California's Chapman University. And I giggle because I graduated with a Chris Bader, and he is not a uh, sociologist. Hey, not everybody can. No, at one point he did have a mechanical bull that he was taking, you know, bar hopping. Was its name Mild Mitch? It was not Mild Mitch. it wasn't Mild Mitch. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I. This is, I think, topics like this, it's great to discuss because it just shows all of the separate angles that psychologists will go through yeah. to put a bow on a story. And I literally will say it from the aspect of put a bow on a story because you have the view of anxiety. Yep. Which I'm, you hear me all the time. I. It's funny the people that have all the chaos all the visions, all the crazy things, and they're full of anxiety. Riddled they're just a, with it, yeah. Just riddled, stewing pot of anxiety. The ones that have the touch, the ones that have this and that, you know, they're just highly unorganized. And I'm not saying just sloppy, messy, just right. unorganized yeah. and just like never really travel in a straight line, just this so wavy line So are you saying I'm an over. anxious mess because of all of my... Uh... Well, no, but I here's is the thing. Like, I know when you start mentioning things, your anxiety level is higher than normal. Cooperates. It, it's yeah. parallel with that. Yeah. It's not like it's below or, or higher. It's 
Like when you're having anxious and anxiety ridden times, whether it's moments or days or weeks, your other symptoms, quote unquote, <laughs> escalate yeah. accordingly or de-escalate accordingly. And I think it's very like I do understand what the psychologists are saying. Like, yeah, after the regression hypnosis and all that, they felt fine. Right. It's like they got rid of all this baggage. Right. Yeah. And now they don't have any of these uh, these kinds of issues, so to speak. But this is a thing where, you know, I think you have to take like 10 steps back and pull and see the other things. Because the, the worst part of a lot of these stories, and I say this all the time with like ghost sightings yeah. and hauntings, I, I had the same attitude with the UFOs. If it's one person that saw it or two people that saw it and no one else saw it, mm -hmm. it's tough. It it's is hard tough. to make the leap to agree because most it's so easy to fabricate. That that firsthand account is the most vulnerable form of evidence because there's no way to corroborate it. There's no way to verify. Yeah, but, you know, people ask some really good questions and... I, I would ask the same question, too. It should also be noted, memories can be distorted by stress or distraction or even manufactured. Mm -hmm. So when a false memory is in place, psychologists say your brain works to fill in the details. Well, yeah, that's coping. That's yeah. coping mechanism. So if you don't cope by other means, your body's just going to kind of go on autopilot and kind of try to figure it out on its own, Yeah, you know, back in the, the subconscious right. well, states. And that's where you have people that were abused as kids or, yes. and here's the thing, and this is like stuff that science and psychology has proven that, like, say you got a kid that's beaten, they'll just block a lot of that and yeah. just block it totally. Block it all out. Or they'll substitute it with something else. Because mm -hmm. there is, like, kids that have been, quote unquote, sexually abused, they say, and then they go to find out that it never happened. Right. But they were beaten or something like that. Right. So yeah. again, it's a, it's a cope. This is where I got to laugh when, when I, I read it once in a while on social media and it drives me crazy, but I understand it because it's filled with nothing but the best intentions is I'll see the posts where, you know, say somebody commits suicide or something like that. And I mean, it's a terrible thing, no matter who it is. I think committing suicide is probably one of the saddest things that a person can be going through or, 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 or surrounded by because yes. it literally is giving up. Yes. It literally is. And, and I always used to hate like, cause I remember this one guy committed suicide where I worked and this one woman that I worked, which drove me absolutely fucking crazy. But you know, she just turned and he goes, ah, he took the chicken way out or he's, he was a coward. Yeah. And I just looked at her like, are you telling me that killing yourself is a cowardly act? Yeah. There's nothing cowardly about that. That's probably one of the most bravest things you could do. It's sad. It's terrible. Yeah. But I mean, to just say I'm ending it all. Yeah. And just letting Fuck it, it all done. go. Yeah. And, you know, I know I'm going to hurt some people, but, you know, I just... This is my only way out. Yeah. It's my only way through. It's tragic. It's sad. Yes. Because it that much courage to do that, if it was moved in a different method right. and a different yeah. way, that person could be the strongest thing in the world. Yeah, just channel. But it just into shows that not all strength is positive. 
Correct. There's a lot of negative strength that can put somebody in a position where they're inconsolable or whatever. Yeah. But like I'll see a social media post where they're just, you know, and it's somebody who might have committed suicide and they're just like, when is everybody going to get that this is a problem, that anxiety is a problem, that depression's a yeah. problem. And it's like, you know what? Everybody knows it's a problem. Yeah. Everybody does. Everybody has their take on how to work it out. Right. And I think that's three camps primarily. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the camp that has no idea what any of that stuff feels like. Right. And it, it is trying to assume the role that they know what it's like. Yes. And, and that Having camp. Having no experience yeah. themselves. They're telling yeah. everyone how to deal with how it. How to deal with it. Yeah. And I'm sorry. But that's a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists. Yeah. It really is. Because think about it. Think of all the school they got to go through. How much all that costs. Mm -hmm. You're not someone who's broke, downtrodden. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying none of them, but most of them. Like, if you're going to a psychologist of that, they came from a pretty damn good life. Yeah. I mean, everybody's they're, got their problems. They're not going but. to be able to relate. Oh, no, they're going to look at you like yeah. a science experiment yeah. because they can't relate to you. So they got to they got to go yep. through all the science stuff. And, and everybody says, well, that's how you're objective, blah, blah, blah. But that's the one kind of group. And I'm not saying all of them are like that. Yeah. But then you got the middle group of people that have been through hard things. Yep. But not so hard to where it's altered the course of their life too Correct. much. But they but everybody and I think this is like 75 percent of people. Right. Like I think 25% the just ones that have no, no idea, idea. Yeah. how to deal with it. And then you've got this middle group of like 75% that gets gets the struggle, understands yeah. it, but yeah. somehow they've figured out how to muddle through it. Right. Deal with it or even just correct it. Yep. And reverse it yeah. and just turn 180 degrees around. Then you got the other 25% who knows exactly what the fuck's going on. Yeah, because, dude, they're knee-deep in it. But they're a fucking mess, Yeah, you know, and, and none of their advice is good. You know, yeah. that's that's why I always laugh when there's, like, the, uh, and I think this is the problem with abductees. I get where they all hang out together. Yep. Because it's like a drug user. Yeah. If you got somebody that's high on crystal meth and will just nail crystal meth every time it's in the room, mm -hmm. they can't hang out with somebody who had, like, the perfect loving family and went through life the that was just like not never taken, never taken drugs, yeah. never done any of that stuff. Yeah, that's not a match. That's mm -mm. not a match. You've no. got to have. That's where I think all of these kind of social worker programs, the the ones that have people that are recovered and they're trying to help others, mm -hmm. I I cheerlead those those solutions all the time because. I think those are the right people trying to tackle the problem. Right. They've been there. They know there. how to talk to that person. Yeah. Like, like me with depression. I can talk with somebody with depression, but only to a certain point. Right. Because at the end of the day, that person needs to admit that they have to fix themselves. Yes. And if they're continually, like, blaming everything around them, yeah. that's where I have to part because that's how you fix yourself. Right. Yes. So- Back to this with the psychologist going through with this, it's like I could imagine how hard this was because it was new yes. and nobody really knew how to tackle right. this and how to treat like, someone so like what this. What do we it's do like, with this? So how do I talk to Barney? How do I talk to Betty? Is Betty going to be it's different? It's funny, you know? though, how and, certain periods of time have their thing. Like here it's the hypnosis 
And then you fast forward another 10, 15 years, and the next big thing in psychology is multiple personalities. And then you fast forward another 10, 15 years, and now they're saying, well, hypnosis isn't really that accurate. And, oh, this multiple personality thing? Yeah, we don't think that even exists. Yeah, it's, they're right at yeah. the subject to, <laughs> subject of it existing. Yeah. Well, and that gets back to the social media post I was thinking. It was like, well, what do you want to do with everybody that has all this? Because what they did before is they had all these asylums right. that they brought everybody in. And, then and were- I laugh because everybody looks back and they go, well, they were just torturous and butcherous and all that. That was science then. Yes. Like I laugh how science is on a pedestal now. But also too. But it- back then science was on a pedestal and they were like, we're doing late breaking stuff with the lobotomizing also- and the electroshock and all that stuff. Be- but be but noted it's just that what? with the asylums, initially when they're set up, and they're not exceeding the capacity. Yeah. They kind of actually were helping people. Well, and then the more people that they quote unquote were helping led to more people being in the asylum. And then they just they they didn't have the means to help. No, this and is what happens. Any of those people. And then Geraldo comes in and says, look at how horrible these people are being treated. So we've got to close down all the asylums. And now all of these people who are in the street, nowhere to go are yeah. now in the shit in the street. But there's a reason for that. That's what I'm getting to is, is the fact that if People, you know, let's listen to the social media poster and say, oh, all right, let's do something about this. All right, let's get a hospital-like institution. It's going to sound pretty freaking familiar because it was... Because it's what we did. 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Well, let's get a hospital-type solution and have people come in and they can talk about it. And then what you're going to get is people that do come in that are functioning, anxiety-ridden people. Mm Mm-hmm. And they can change their way around. And it's good. But what ends up happening is, is you get all these people who don't want to help themselves. Correct. That don't know how to help themselves. But science is going to sit there and say, okay, then how do we help all these people who, quote unquote, can't help themselves? Yeah. Or there's no solution or there's something broken with them. Right. And that's where they were going into the dark side of science. They yep. were doing electroshock therapy. They were. They were doing... All that well, stuff. Lobotomies. I mean, lobotomies yeah. and, and, and all of that. And then the problem was, is you can't let all these people out in the street. Well, eventually they did. Yeah. But the fact is, is now you got a building full of these people. Yes. And they can't do anything. They can't do anything for themselves. No. They can't do. So, yeah, I do ask a social media poster. What do you want to do with them? What's your freaking great idea? Yeah. What's That's what drives idea? me nuts. What's your yeah. big idea besides somebody... Somebody needs to do something. I hate that statement. Somebody needs to do something. Mm-hmm. It's you're somebody. Yeah, what you, you're. What some, do you propose? Well, no, we it's do? not even you're somebody. You're somebody who's saying something out loud. Then have a fucking solution. Because if not, shut up. Yeah. If you <laughs> That's don't the have, way I am. Yeah. I just, just you know, and I know it sounds coarse and it sounds terrible, but just saying, what is somebody gonna do? You know, or when? It, when are people gonna? Like I said, the when are people gonna recognize this? It's like no, everybody knows about anxiety. Yes. Everybody knows about depression. Yes. Everybody knows about suicide yes. and all this stuff. Everybody yeah. knows about it. So don't mm-hmm. act like you're breaking new ground. And and this whole thing with the Barney and Betty Hill story, I just really started feeling that from the site, the site psychiatric end because mm-hmm. that was that heyday where they were trying to figure out how everybody works right yeah and and with this 
there is some tough things that you really got to throw at the hills. There was no other witnesses that could support their account. Right. None. This is where it comes to now I'm taking off the gloves and I'm going to beat up the hills here. Right. There was no other witnesses that could support it. Parts of it were implausible and the validity of repressed memories was called into question because there was, they were driving through, you know, and the spots they were talking about, that's where there was like diners or, Mm -hmm. you know, places to eat and stuff like that. It just, uh, no one, no one saw anything. Yeah. That's the weird part of that story. Now, here's the other thing. It happened back in the 60s. People didn't come out and talk about that kind of stuff. They didn't. It was also at night. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, if it was late at night, people might have been asleep. There's an awful lot of people who they're like, it's not my circus, not my monkeys. Like, they just don't care. Yeah. Or if they see something, they just close the door and they're like, I don't want to know anything about that. And this is where, again, if you're not from that era of Mm -hmm. time, and I say from the new 24-hour people to the previous where television turned off at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight, whenever the hell it was. You know, at nighttime, people turned off. There wasn't this 24-hour thing that we have now. Right. Where you could just wake up at two in the morning and be like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll watch just some TV, watch some yeah. TV or do this or, or whatever. You, you had pretty much people were early risers. They mm-hmm. went to work. They worked during the day. They had dinner and they watched a little, TV watched a little TV or read a book yep. or something like that and went to bed. You know what people in their forties and above do now, <laughs> but, but it just, uh, you know, UFO investigators really wanted to believe Betty and it became even more difficult. There was a UFO researcher who worked with Betty and noted that she was unable to distinguish between a landed UFO and a street light. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, so in other words, she saw UFOs where none existed. So... That brings me to a point. Psychologist Michael Shermer points to patternicity, and that's the mm-hmm. tendency to see patterns even when none exists. Think of seeing faces in clouds or shapes in clouds. Yeah, yeah. And they just assume that one of or you know one event causes another, like the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect, yeah. And that's what a lot of these these are. It's human perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but yeah. I mean, like they were supposedly speeding through, you know, route three was where they were going through, right. you know, and it just seems again, impossible that nobody would have noticed even a car speeding down, you know, and screeching around corners and running yeah. stop signs and traffic signals and all that stuff, which is what they were claiming they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, say just s- someone came over and just said, Hey, do you notice anything weird that night? Even if a, a car was screeching or, or something like that, just, yeah, no, I heard a car outside. They yeah. None of that. Right. And uh, there's a lot of UFO believers that reluctantly, they admit that much of Betty Hill's experience and stories can't be true and instead are likely imaginative fantasies of a sincere but confused woman. Uh, there's, you know, little to no corroborating evidence, no eyewitnesses to support the story. And, you know, as it often happens, you know, the... Abduction is inconclusive at best and a complete fabrication at worst. That's a lot of these. Yeah. That's the same thing with like possessions and hauntings and things like that. It's the same group. 
uh, and this is where I started reading, uh, the Royal College uh, of Anesthetists, uh, the people that do like um, anesthetics, anesthesia and stuff like yeah. that. They have, uh, it's a real large collection on, uh, it's called Accidental Awareness. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that at all? All right. So basically Accidental Awareness is during general anesthesia and it, it started attracting interest in the 1990s late 1990s and this patient uh slash activist uh carol werher uh published her own awareness experience basically uh awareness has since spawned support groups there's facebook pages uh movies there's even like an episode on gray's anatomy Mm -hmm. but it's now being generally recognized by the medical community and the royal college notes that one purpose of the report is to present an apology on behalf of the profession to all those patients who have been let down by a collective failure to un- understand a a certain condition. Mm-hmm. And this condition is basically that if you are getting a procedure done, mm-hmm. what they say is uh, you can get what's called this uh, accidental awareness of you're coming out of you're coming out of the anesthesia out so of you the know anesthesia. what's happening to you no you you know something's happening but you don't but know you what don't know exactly. what and you're really out of it right because you're under anesthesia correct so what they say on some of these uh issues that they were talking about uh with the royal college report is you know they they interviewed all these people and went through this stuff so like even if you have anxiety or panic, they're saying that it could be from just a dental procedure or something mm-hmm. like that where you were put down. Right. And it accidentally opened and something. You, no, you just it, it goes back to what we were talking about. Like if you were to see something, like when we talk about abductions or like uh like the Pascagoula abduction, mm-hmm. where we talked about like like that guy it just says like, I, I didn't know what I saw. I can't explain what I saw. And it's disturbed me. Like, I, I just can't explain it. Yeah. Like those accounts where like, I hear those things like that's believable because it's something you just can't identify with. Right. It's like the Bigfoot sightings. They're like, I saw it. I don't know what it is. Right. It's, it's big. It's not a bear. It's not just, I, I don't know what it is. I right. can't like, I can't compare it to anything. And and then the problem is, is when you have something like that, that you can't identify whether you can't, that brings anxiety. It brings all right. these issues yeah. because it's just driving you crazy because your you brain, need, you need resolution. Your brain is a catalog of identified items. Mm-hmm. That's really what your brain is. Mm-hmm. Once you have something identified and kind of quote unquote figured out, right. that's why everybody's like, figure it out. You know, like yeah. if you're freaking out it's like you just got to figure this out once you figure it out you're okay figure it out man and humans are like that Mm -hmm. if there's things you can't figure out that's kind of the problem what's going on now right to the big state is there's a lot of things people just haven't fixed they can't figure it out Mm -hmm. and it creates all this anxiety it creates all this because there's no closure right there's no closure at all and they say this is what's happened with this accidental awareness is there's no closure to an event and worst part is, is you were drugged out. So it's like in your subconscious. Right. So you've got this thing that's just hammering at you mm-hmm. 
and you don't know how to deal with it or you're not giving the time to deal so with it. So are they trying to... So here's the interesting thing with it because I'd like to build it up like it means something. And then, of course, psychologists have a way of doing breaking that down for me. Half the patients in one survey experience pain, two-thirds experience helplessness or panic. It's like just this right, overall yeah. deal. Yeah. But over 40% of the patients studied for the report experienced moderate to severe psychological harm with some in- incapacitated uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. So it's like these people are having problems. One awareness patient describes a flashback. It struck again days later as horrifying images and terror that rose from the depths of my being. I was once again in the grips of horror, again not comprehending, again trapped, again struggling to survive, yet wishing for death. Alien abduction seems almost restful in comparison. Right. So assuming Barney Hill wasn't actually brought aboard a spaceship that night in 1961, he may have experienced a flashback to his tonsillectomy. This is what they're saying. He was cold. His eyes were closed. He didn't want to be operated on. Then he woke up under general anesthesia to full-blown terror, surrounded by distorted beings, squinting in the blue light of the OR. Perhaps the pain and horror of awareness overwhelmed his mind. Or maybe it was the anesthetic drugs, but somehow the experience disappeared from his working memory. Mm -hmm. Until he and Betty came to believe that they had crossed paths with an identified, unidentified flying object on a dark and lonely New Hampshire road. So now you have this thing behind you that's dormant. It's not doing anything. Then you have this trigger, Mm -hmm. like you said, opens the door, boom. Alien abduction has been considered a fantasy, a hoax, and even a sum, a fact. But it is now clear that it may also represent a recovered memory. Recovered Mm -hmm. memories are frequently astounding and implausible. If they were orderly and digestible, we would not have forgotten them. Most famously, recovered memory has been at the heart of controversial claims of childhood sexual abuse, satanic cults, and other disturbing and difficult to prove allegations by one family against uh, one family member against another. The difficulty of distinguishing between recovered memories and so-called false memories has troubled psychiatrists and patients alike. Right, this hasn't changed. So this anesthesia awareness, uh, you know, it's a question of could it teach about recovered memories? Mm-hmm. And it just shows how dirty all this gets. Right. And this is why people say, well, you know, how come they just can't commit to believing this? Because, you know, you got this realistic thing here. Yeah. That you really got to kind of just at least g- give some credence and light to. And the report discusses different types of memory, including trauma memory, everyday memories that are not terribly descriptive, intense emotional states such as those experienced during awareness, uh, they create memories that are rich in sensory detail and tend to burst out inappropriately, as in a flashback. Trauma memories are not encoded as logical narratives, but as globs of sensation. Mm-hmm. It's all familiar kind of talk with this stuff. Yeah. And thus a sensory experience, like seeing a hospital worker in scrubs, can cause an awareness survivor to feel overwhelmed with panic and to relive this sensation of paralysis she suffered through while anesthetized. So, you know, that's uh, these PTSD researchers have found that like trauma memories are jumbled. And this goes back to Barney being again. uh, Well, what about Betty? Well, and that's where it all gets weird because like they they talk about this with Barney. And this is again where I say like with psychologists, 
they can paint this good picture with Barney and it works. Yeah. It really does. You're like, like you, all right, cool. Yeah, all it's right, really, it's fine. like, you know, and that's why I wanted to go through this because I knew you were going to ask that question. Like, what about Betty? Yeah. You know, and Betty's the X factor here where they just don't have an answer for it. And so with that patternicity and the awareness, you know, and, and when you bring that into alien abduction and encounter stories, it's, it's helped psychologists understand the human brain, its defects and weaknesses inherent in memory and firsthand accounts According to Christopher French, a psychologist specializing in human experience related to the paranormal, mm-hmm. what we see and hear, especially under less than ideal observational conditions, can be heavily influenced by our prior beliefs and expectations, wrote French in The Guardian. So essentially, all your believies get all jumbled together. Yeah. So when you have that moment that what the fuck, what is this? Your mind is going through all the things that it knows. And it's like, it's like that dog in uh, Bugs Bunny where he's got his nose in the hole and he's smelling and he's like, uh, dog, uh, another dog. No groundhog. No skunk. No. no, Yeah. You know? And then, and then he finally gets to rabbit and he's like, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's kind of what your brain is doing. It should be noted that NICAP's scientific advisor cross-examined the couple and found their account credible. The Air Force's Project Blue Book would ultimately dismiss the story, determining the unexplained craft could be explained by natural causes, hinting that the couple hadn't seen a spacecraft, but only the planet Jupiter. And then for his part, psychiatrist Simon never felt the Hills had made up their story. He concluded Betty had dreamed the abduction and Barney had absorbed her story, especially since many of the most vivid details matched uh, descriptions of dreams Betty had jotted down after the event. Yeah. And he said, I believe implicitly in the honesty of these people, he said on a 70s radio program. But what none of these things are talking about are like her star map. It is an actual, this woman knew nothing about space and drew a very detailed star map that actually can be verified by astronomers as yes, this is actually a star. They say it it could be, you know, I mean like it's not like nuts to bolts, like it's a Mm -hmm. perfect, but, but they say it, it is pretty, pretty weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's uh, but even just to wrap up the uh, the anesthesia stuff, mm-hmm. that is something again. Like you have to look at and put into consideration of things. You know, there was a thing where they were talking about uh how a person can only report an awareness experience if they remember it, which could take years or never happen at all. Mm-hmm. Alien alien abduction may be one of the most dramatic you know, types of this awareness type thing, but surely not the only one. So there was uh, a, an awareness patient that was formerly like a jazz aficionado mm-hmm. and developed this just bizarre version to the style after an awareness experience. And it was not until years later that she recalled hearing a favorite jazz piece playing in the OR while awake during the surgery. 
So this is like the profound impact yeah. it has on you. Yeah. And you can't deny it because it's true. Now, here's the other weird thing of it. Royal College did all this stuff with all these people. There wasn't one of them that had an alien abduction story as a result of all this. Right. So this is where I laugh at science, yeah. where science yeah. is like, well, this is possible. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Anything's fucking possible. Correct. But yes. you, you did all of these. You did all this work. All this work. And you have this great record of it, which is great. I mean, it's helping medicine in exactly. a way. Exactly, yes. Know, like it's helping anesthesiologists But that doesn't be, mean you can now but, just apply but that But just to because everything. this person hates jazz now yeah. doesn't mean that an alien abductions, you know, because- it wasn't even in their mm -hmm. their sample or their not even their sample, just all of their work. Yeah, it wasn't an example. None of, of their it. subjects brought up alien abduction. None of them. Yeah. You know, so it's just I, I so love. So clearly, it was some sort of awareness state from anesthesia. Well, and I love that's just the funny part of it. Like I laugh when people just like. People think that science is just this concise thing of data, looking at the data, the data gives the answers and all that stuff. There's so many leaps in science that are made. Yeah. And they have to be made sometimes to get to a certain spot. Correct. Sometimes yeah. you got to leap over four types of things to get right. to that thing. But at least acknowledge you're leaping. Yeah, exactly. You know, just like, say, are you going to apply all of that to the Coronado Island mass abduction event? So yeah. what? All dozens of people at the same time are all, yeah. you know, having this awareness event. Yeah. Okay. And that's sure. And that's the that gets back to where I was going to say, like, you had the Car Coronado event, you had uh, the dude and the Pascagoula, Pascagoula, corroborated with other people. Yep. Who's the Travis Walton? Travis Walton. Yeah, he's a corroborative one where you know all of them saw it. It's yeah. like, okay, there were you can call this witnesses. guy crazy, but yeah. what about these three other yeah. motherfuckers? You yeah, know? and that's where. And I, honestly, poor Pascagoula would have been subject because it was just the two of them. If it hadn't been for the other people that saw the craft, across, and especially the woman across the waterway, yeah, yeah. who saw the craft, yeah, and, and essentially, out, yeah, came out later. Yep, yeah. It's uh, so I think kind of in wrap up with these UFO stories, because I, I just find them so fascinating on the level of you can see where a lot of them have these attributes of being real. Yes. And you can't steer around it. And mm -hmm. I and we definitely step all over those mm -hmm. like the Pascagoula. Right. And um, the. Uh, the mass abduction. Coronado. At Coronado Hotel belongs in a museum <laughs> the cross of coronado however <laughs> there are these ones like this one with barney and betty hill yeah. where it's tough but like i said going down this route with one person you got to go and say what about this other person right because like even if you were to go to the betty hill route and she's like yeah you know what she can't distinguish the difference between a street light and a ship it's right. like, all right, well, what about her genius husband? What's wrong with him? Yeah. So yeah. that's the exactly that's the yeah. tough part. Of, it's not cookie cutter. Like, no, we're, no, we're and that's not why be able to put all these cute little things in a neat little yeah. basket and tie it up with a neat little bow. That's just not. It's not what we do here, guys. Well, no, but I think that's <laughs> why Barney and Betty Hill will stand the test of time as not only being the first, but it really hits the foundation of being so hard to define yeah because if you pull them apart separately you got a nice little neat package you can right. fit them in 
right. And it works it's out easily great. Easily digestible. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's easily digestible. You mm-hmm. could move on, put yep. a sad poem in your journal, and, and, and life is on. And we're good. Yeah. But you put them together, and yeah. that's when each theory starts to chip away. Yeah. And fall apart. And that's why I love this story. Yes. I that that's why I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about it today. And with that being said, do you have anything else with Barney and Betty Hill or no. any extras? No. Any th- thoughts? I mean, I am extra. Do you think it happened to him? Do you think I something think happened? Something happened to them. Yeah. Um, and I'll be so bold as to say maybe they even did see something in the sky. Maybe mm-hmm. they even got abducted. Yeah. But I don't trust a memory that's recalled. By someone who has to cajole the information out of you. Yeah, because you can do, like, where the question's leading, where they, oh, you know, I mean. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to submit. I don't think you can do a regression session without having some leading questions, if well, not all of them. I I kind of laugh at the word leading question. Yeah. So let's break this down. Okay. I want to see if you know something. Okay. So if I ask you a question on if you know something, then I'm leading you to what you think you know. True. So so every question's a leading fucking question. Yes. Some are bad. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Blatant. Some are bad. Like, you know, they're like clearly like, taking you down a like path instead, they want you to go down. Like instead yeah. of asking you a question of what did you see that night, instead of and you know, I get what a leading question would be like. Uh, instead of just knowing what yeah. you saw that night. Describe the light that followed you. No. Do you think you might be lying? Do you think uh, you might be, you know, do you think you saw something else? Did it look like a street light? Because here's the thing, the craft could have looked like a street light. Yeah. You know, like characteristics yeah. of it. You know, you can lead those questions. Those are, every yeah. question's a leading question. That's mm-hmm. where I got to laugh with like investigators and stuff. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, he's leading the, he's leading the questioning to, you know, just make him say he he committed murder. It's like if the person says I did it, yeah. Then that's as far as you go. Like I don't get the whole false confessions thing. Like to me that is a error in biology. If you can't protect yourself <laughs> by confessing to something that you didn't do, you right. know, that's Well, I'm now, going to submit uh, I'll submit Brandon Dassey. I don't think he had the capacity to understand, one, what he was being asked, or two, what it would mean if he told the police officers what they kept telling him they wanted to hear. Well, yeah, I I mean. get where. Well, and you got somebody whose intelligence level. Well, he's diminished capacity. Diminished capacity. He never should have been questioned. Without a doctor or someone, just some other person. I don't in the even room. think his mother would have been enough. Yeah, he needed no. someone who could be there to protect. Yeah. No, and I him. get leading questions yeah. on that end. You know, yeah. I, that that I I get and like forced confessions and mm-hmm. that type of stuff. That that I do that I do get. That's what I'm saying. Like, it gets back to what I was saying. If you do that, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So like, yeah. even with. Brandon Dassey, it's like there's something wrong with him. Yeah. If he would say all that, you know, I yeah. mean, I just, it's, uh, it's called yeah. low IQ. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm not ashamed to Diminished say Diminished capacity. Yeah. So we're going to close the book on UFOs and UFOlogy for a bit. Ufology. Temporary pause. 
Well, yes. We're going to, you know, let it wrap up February. Mm-hmm. Hope you had a wonderful February. Yeah. And uh, for the beginning of March, hot topic for you, babe. It is. Yeah. It is. We're, we're what do we got? going to discuss Wicca. Yes. I'm excited for this. Me too. I'm not a uh, a large knowledge body of, uh, or I don't have a huge body of knowledge for uh, Wicca. We got so many books. I know, <laughs> I know. It's uh, so I'm uh, I've started reading already. I did last week. I started. Like I said, I've got I, several books. If you wanna, because I, I weigh in, I figure I gotta I gotta triple time it to just even hang in the room with you. That's, <laughs> That's that's my that's my deal. That's how that's gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also gonna play devil's advocate and say the the person who, uh, you know, doesn't know what a Wicca is. No. <laughs> no, but I think uh, there's a lot of misconceptions with Wicca. There's a lot of misconceptions in just about everything that we discuss. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's why we discuss them. That's why we have a show. Yeah. That's... Otherwise, I still have a hard time saying that. That we have a show. Not me, man. Like I pe- walk around with my, ask me about my podcast, and only one person, the cashier at Walmart in North Utica, was the only one who yeah. asked me about my podcast. Well, there's people who just don't want to know. There, You know, it's funny, out of the whole populace of people, there's not, there's only a small portion of the population that really listens to podcasts on like a yeah. devoted level. For as big as the podcast platform is like with millions of podcasts to choose from it's a very small audience that they're all trying to grab yeah yeah Yeah. no (laughs) i remember reading some of the stats on it and they were recent stats Mm because i'm just looking at the numbers of stuff and yeah i just shook my head with it i was like i'm like yeah i do get it because if i do mention it to people and a lot of times i'll mention it'll be offhand it'll be like you know, they'll be like, oh, what are you doing tonight? It's like, oh, we'll probably record an episode of the podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. So then you get two kind of things from there. People are like, oh, you have a podcast? What's it on? Right. Or you have, What's I don't podcast? know what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or like they know the word podcast, mm-hmm. but they just don't know like what it is. Yeah. And or they're like my mother. I can't sit and listen to people talk. Well, okay, it's thanks. Tr- it's true. It, yeah, she yeah. can't. No. Our no. podcast could be 10 minutes and it would be too long for my mother. Eight minutes too long. Yes. That's, we would lose her about five words in. We would have lost her <laughs> on this podcast. We would have lost her at, oh, the horror. Yes. And then it just would have, yep. oh, okay. Doing something else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Wicca coming up. Yep. And we hope everyone had a, uh, a lovely February. Yeah. Our prayers and thoughts for everyone in the Ukraine. Seriously. We, uh, we're pulling for you. And, and I also will throw some prayers of the unfortunate people that are stuck in a wedge in Russia right now. Yeah. It's not just Ukraine. You know, there's people. My dad, I remember he, you probably heard him say this all the time, but with, in respects to Vietnam and his mm-hmm. service there, uh, he used to say the person he felt sorry for the most was the everyday rice farmer in Vietnam. Right. Cause like that person had no interest in any yeah. of it. Like it, no matter who won, 
It didn't yeah. matter. They were still farming rice. Yeah, and, could you not walk through my paddy field? Yeah, or Please just, thank just you. you know, I, yeah. I just don't want to be involved, yeah. period. Just yeah. leave me out can of this. Can you guys keep your shit over there? Yeah, so yeah. So I can do my farming And over I think here. this is where the media can be a problem all the time, is yeah. they like to create the A group versus the B group. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, like, with you think it only matters in politics here in the States. Yeah. Well, you're seeing it now. It's, you know... A lot of the articles where they say, you know, no, it's Putin and this, and it's right. it's not just Putin. Putin has followers, yep. but but there's a lot of good people in Russia that are got their hands up that and are just stuck. Are just stuck and saying, man, I hope this just doesn't go all to shit. Right. And uh, and obviously for the folks in the Ukraine who are just living a life that none of us, very few of us, can understand. Correct. You know, I mean, there's a very very small handful that can understand what those people are going through. But our prayers are with you, and uh, our thoughts are with you. And I encourage everyone to pray, meditate, even just whatever. Have some silence and just put them in your thoughts. You'd be yep. surprised uh, how that voodoo science works. <laughs> and with that being said, rule number one: no Ouija boards. Number two: no dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Rule number five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You have to act to enact positive change in the world. Mm -hmm. And last but not least. Don't let the black man change. No, don't. Just don't. Don't. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. With that being said, thanks for listening to the show. We love you so much. We do. We hope uh, you stick around if you're new. Yes. If you're new and you'd like to get more of us, go to ohthehorrorpodcast.com. And on the top right, I believe, in the page is links to our Facebook group mm-hmm. and our Instagram page. Correct. And you can keep up with the uh, latest announcements of episodes mm-hmm. and any other uh, news we have. Yep. We keep the news stuff kind of silent. Jen's been busy posting on the Facebook group I'm with trying, a lot of guys. lot of posts. I'm I trying. like them. <laughs> and if you like them, give them a like or a shout out, a share. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for for listening. And if you know uh, anyone that'd be interested, please uh, please pass us along. Yep. And with that being said, make good choices. Take care. <laughs>